Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. Many of you have met my daughter Stephanie. She's been up here with uh, her family a number of times since we've gotten here. Uh, she is uh, she's a wonderful gal. Uh, she's a loving mother uh, to her kids, Saoirse and Elora. She's a loving wife to Bryce, the son-in-law. Uh, but she is, she's a little off. There's something just, I don't know what happened to her. Because she goes to school and... And not only did she decide to major in mathematics, which is, okay, whatever. You know, there's people that do that. Some of you are, are bright that way. But then she decides to minor in physics and French. And I'm like, where did this kid come from? Uh, it, as part of uh, her physics stuff, she, she ran into the professor. And, and they, she had a professor at her school in Kearney, Nebraska, who was looking for someone, an, an assistant, as he was doing some research down at the McDonald Observatory down in Texas in astronomy. He was looking at binary stars. I don't know what that is. I got a degree in history and theology. Like, whatever. They had, there's stars out there, and some of them are weird. And so they, they go down for a week and are studying these things. And, and in the end, she, she co-writes an article with, uh, with her professor and two others. And, and, and it's the journal. is the Journal of the American Association of Variable Star Observers. Sure. Absolutely. So there's their stars. They're, they, they, they're very in, in, in intensity, and you can see them sometimes and not so many other times. And so this is the name of her article, Observations and Analysis of Three-Field RR Lyra Stars Selected Using Single Epic SDSS Data. Whatever. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened to her, but, but one of the things... One of the things about that, when she was doing this study on stars and they had certain time frames that they were able to, to get access to the telescopes, and uh, in, the, in the free times, they would be looking at the stars and it's super dark out there. I mean, no, no not lights in the middle of the night. And so they could just see stars and stars. And, and, and one of her reflections was, how could you not believe in God? <laughs> I mean, you look at the complexity of this universe and the stars and, and, and you just know their, their makeup of gases and understand that we have a star, the sun, which, which has gases and that gives us the warmth and the, to enable life and just everything about our life and world that is so finely tuned for life. And, and she just was, was reveling in how awesome this was. And, and then she heard from like 20 feet away, someone says, well, how can anyone believe in God? And she's like, what? That's ludicrous. How could, what, what's wrong with these people? How, how do they not see the majestic design of God in all of this? And, and uh, her reflections, well, it, it's very much like the psalmist. As a psalmist looks at this world, we've been looking at the psalms over these last several weeks and, and, and seeing what these prayers and these poems say to us about who God is and and much of it is, is this orientation that's centered upon God's existence and his work and that there is a way in this life, in this world. 
And there's a way for us to see that and know that. And, and the Psalms direct us to us. Uh, the Psalms have been called deep theology. But theology, be, theology to songs and to poems. Uh, we have systematic theologies that have been written. Uh, you may have read, read them at different points in your lives. Maybe you haven't. But uh, systematic theology, they set things out in a neat, orderly way. This is what God, and these are verses about God, and this, so this is our understanding about who God is, and this is our understanding about the Word of God, the Scriptures, and, and they're listed verses and, and, and ideas that have come to fruition, and this is our, our belief about Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the church and, and, and other matters, eschatology and, and, and heaven and hell and all these things, and, and it's laid out nicely, but when you look in the Bible, there's no, there's no section that says, this is the section on God. This is all that you need to know about God. It comes in all kinds of different ways. It comes through narratives or stories that, that had people interacting with God and, and dealing with life and understanding how God intersects with them on that. There's, there's prophets who, who say, this is what God wants you to do. There are histories and there are, there's law, there's wisdom, and all of these come together. There's gospels telling the life of Jesus, but nothing is like systematic. And what we have in the Psalms is theology. Deep, good theologies that directs us to God, but it does it in poetical form to help us work through the things because the, the people writing this, oftentimes it's King David, but others as well, are reflecting upon their life in real-life circumstances. And that's how we live our life. We don't live it just out of books, but we live our daily lives, interacting with others, having to deal with jobs and making a living, and kids who are, are sometimes good and sometimes not so good. And, and all of this is what we deal with in life. And, and these are the Psalms. Today we're going to look at two Psalms. Uh, one is called an evening psalm, and the other is called a morning psalm. There will be some cues into their, why they are called that. And each of them put together are laments. Uh, they are laments, and the laments, so we talked about this previously, laments are, are those crying out to God, God, I need your help with this issue in my life, or these people that I'm are dealing with, or, or something, I need help. But these psalms also, as they begin with the cry for help, they end with an understanding of confidence and the one they're calling to. So if you have your Bibles, we'll, we'll be in, in Psalm chapter 4, or Psalm number 4, and then Psalm number 5, um, just after that. Psalm 4. For the directive music with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. Those first notes or words there are, are directions for how to look at this psalm. Sometimes they give an indication of who wrote it, this one of David. It's a psalm, which would mean a song set to accompany me with music, particularly stringed instruments in this one. And, and uh, then it starts off this way. Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. How long, O man, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Selah. Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. In your anger, do not sin. 
When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Selah. Offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Uh, So the cues and indicators that this is an evening psalm uh, come in that last verse there, I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in in safety. And in verse 4, in your anger do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. So uh, just a couple cues to say this this is an evening psalm, one that you would say at the end of the day, and as the, the writer comes to it, we don't have a specific incident of what happened here, why David is crying out to God, uh, as we did in, in Psalm 3. But something is going on. That, and it could be a drought. It could be opposition from people. Uh, but he cries out to God, and it starts off with four pleas to God. Four calls upon him to act. The first one, answer me when I call you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress is the second one. Be merciful to me is the third. And then hear my prayer. And, and that's indicative of how laments start off. They, they begin with addressing God and saying, I need your help. Please answer me as I'm going through this difficult situation. I need your help, Lord. Listen to me. Heed my call. I need your help. Uh, this one then directs itself in a, in a little bit different way. Uh, and, and it begins to address, well, mankind. Uh, mankind in particular who, well, he's not looking for, for God's help. The question comes, how long, oh men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? And again, that reminds me of my, my daughter's uh, disorienting moment in, in the observatory where as she is blown away by the beauty of, of the creation. Uh, there are others who, who don't see that at all. And, and the psalmist will say, how long are you going to live with these delusions and seek false things, things that are not? Because our orientation is, at our outset is, is God exists, but if there's those who are saying he doesn't exist, well, well well, that disorients us. Oh, where, where do we look then? And where are they looking for hope? And where are they looking for, for what they're doing in this life? How long will they exchange things that are not God for God? It's almost like David here is, is, is pleading them to come to your senses. Wake, wake up. You need this. It's almost evangelistic. How long are you going to do this? How long are you going to love those things? Know this, and this is verse 3, know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. There is a different way. There is a way to, to live this life that's right. Uh, Psalm 1 gives the indication of the way, the, the way of the righteous one. It is, uh, it is to not uh, walk in the, in the path of the wicked and to stand in the place of sinners and to, to sit in the seat of mockers, but to lighten the law of the Lord. That's... That's the orientation that we have. But for those who don't do it, wake up, see this, because God does exist. And that's, that's the basis and foundation for, for our faith, for what we believe, and for his pleading. And so when he comes 
to these situations in his life that he is struggling with. He has one he goes to. And his belief about that one turns his concern into confidence. Because he knows the Lord has set apart the godly. And so when he comes to the time of bed, uh, Verse 4 says, And in your anger do not sin. Paul quotes this verse in, in, in his uh, writing to the Ephesians. Of, of, and, and when you're angry, do not sin. Uh, that, that there's ways to be angry about things in life without sinning. Uh, another way to take this particular phrasing, though, is, is to say tremble and do not sin. Well, that's a little bit different, isn't it? <laughs> what do we do? What's happening what, that causes us to tremble? Uh, sometimes it's if we're excessively fearful of what's something that's going on and, and afraid of what's going to happen, we, we, we tremble. Or if we're completely tired and, and exhausted, maybe our body might tremble. But there's a sense of, I, I, I'm out of control here. There's something bigger than me that's going on. And, and I think that's the, the sense that he wants to see, even as he continues to direct people. Uh, there's a way to approach God and and it's with, it's with respect and honor. If God is the God who created all of this, and again, if we look at the heavens and see all of that, that we can see with the naked eye even, it's awesome. If he can make that, and as if Isaiah says, that we are, the nations are like a drop in the bucket, that we are like grasshoppers to God. He is well, someone to be respected, and if we're in the outs with him, even feared. And his call is, take a look, take stock of your life as you're coming to your time of sleep. What's going on with you? Be silent. What are you relying on? The question that happens then in in verse 6, many are asking, who can show us any good? Uh, Kind of a, kind of a, question of pragmatism, of just give me something that works. I just need something. If, if God isn't going to work this out for me, then, then, then someone will. Uh, one of the things that David would have had to deal with within his community was, was people were pursuing other gods, uh, particularly the god named Baal. And if they, they were having problems with drought in their area, they needed rain, then, then well, God doesn't say, well, maybe, maybe we can call on Baal. I mean, he's, he's supposed to be the God of storms. Let's, let's call on him. We just, I don't care where we get rain. We just want rain. And, and David says, what are you searching for? Go to the Lord. Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. And uh, we've seen this word Lord several times in this passage. It's it's Lord spelled with a capital L-O-R-D. And, and every time that Lord is spelled with capital L-O-R-D, it's an indicator that the, the name of God is being used there, Yahweh. And, and it's the personal, this, it's identifying specifically who you're praying to, to Yahweh, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Uh, the Jews honored the name Yahweh so much so that they, they would not pronounce it. And they would instead say Adonai, which means Lord. And so when that word came along in their text, they would, they would put notes in there 
that would be the, the vowels for Adonai instead of Yahweh, so that you would know to say Adonai instead of Yahweh, because that was their, their honoring of the name of God. Uh, but here, again and again, he, he comes and he's saying, Yahweh, it's you that we rely on. You are the one who is dependable. And he ends with, well, you have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine, new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. When, when life in our world is stressful and we're having hard times, when we come to our beds at night, it's sometimes the most difficult times. Sleep eludes us because whatever's going on, we're worried about and concerned and and. What do we put our faith in? And David says, put it in God. Direct yourselves to God and find that safety and security in him. And that's David's plea for us. What are we going to depend upon here? He says, the Lord. Well, move from there to, to Psalm 5, which is a morning psalm. And, and, I, and I chose to put these together because there, there's something good about this rhythm of evening and morning. If, when, when you recall in Genesis chapter 1, when God created the heavens and the earth and begins to speak of each of the day, God created things. He spoke the, and, then, and the light came to be and the, and the waters were separated and there is this rhythm where, where there was evening and there was morning the first day and the second day. And, and to our minds, it seems a weird way to put it. There is, we say there was morning in their evening. Uh, but in, in, for the Hebrews, the day starts at dusk. That's when the day begins. And so, so dusk happens and, and a new day goes. Well, dusk is the time and night is the time when we go to bed. And then we wake up in the morning and we start our new day in our in our timing, we start our day at midnight, sometime in the middle of all that. But uh, there's a real sense for us: our days don't start at midnight; <laughs> they start when we get up in the morning. And uh, for the the Hebrews, there's this picture of as they get up in their day, they're joining God. He's been working all night. His day started. 12 hours ago or 8 hours ago and, and we join him in what he's doing as we begin our day. And so Psalm 5, five goes this way. This is for the director of music for flutes, the Psalm of David. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. There again, those are the pleas that start off the lament. Give ear, consider, listen, my God and my King. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. You are not a God who takes pleasure in evil. With you, the wicked cannot dwell. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men, the Lord abhors. What we're going to see in this psalm is there's, there's, there's kind of a back and forth to how it's portrayed and, and, and beginning in the morning of, of, of looking to God for help. But then 
in the alternating stanzas, there is this reflection upon the world that is not pursuing God and looking at him. And you have kind of a back and forth. So, so stanzas one and three and five, their orientation is to God. But in two and four, the orientation is those who are pursuing other things. So the first stanza, give ear to my words. The second stanza, you are not a God who takes pleasure in evil. You destroy those who tell lies, bloodthirsty and deceitful men the Lord abhors. But then we get to verse 7, and again the orientation is back to God. But I, by your great mercy, will come into your house. In reverence will I bow down toward your temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make straight your way before me. And then nine switches again. Not a word from their mouth can be trusted. Their heart is filled with destruction. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongue they speak deceit. Declare them guilty, O God. Let their intrigues be their downfall. Banish them for their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. And then verse 11 switches our focus again. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. There is in this, this back and forth in, this, in these stanzas of, of looking to God and then understanding the world in which we live is in opposition to that, 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 that our life is... Well, it, it's difficult. There are two wa- ways and paths, as Psalm 1 has indicated. And, and there's those who are pursuing things that, that don't honor the Lord. And, and we are going to interact with them. And they're going to have, well, interactions with us. And we're going to sometimes pay the price because of that. And, and uh, not pleasantly. Uh, we're, we're not going to enjoy those circumstances because they're not building others up there. They're pursuing their own things. They're not to be trusted And the call is for them to be declared guilty because God hates evil. And those who are characterized as doing this are are not blessed by him. And so as the morning begins, as the day starts, there's a recognition. I need your help, Lord, today. I know the life I'm going to be beginning and walking into this day I will have difficulties, but I will focus upon you because I know who you are. I know I can trust you You, because of your great mercy or your loving kindness. Lead me, Lord. And then some further reflection on the wicked, but finally, this confident hope in verse 12. For surely, Yahweh, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. I've entitled this message, An All-Access Pass to God. Because 24-7, we can come to God in the evening times. At the start of God's day and the end of ours, we can bring the concerns of the day to Him. And as we arise in the morning, we present the things that come before us before Him, recognizing there is a competing view for our attention. We can go in different directions. And part of the beauty of, 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 of lying in the bed confident at what God 
will continue to do. And then arising in the morning by turning our hearts towards him in the midst of this difficult life will bring us back to reorientation. The orientation is toward God. Disorientation is towards not following him and the difficulties and the hardships, the things that make us cry out for help. And then the reorientation is the, the realization that God is there and he can be trusted in this midst. We have access to God. Uh, the book of Hebrews uh, describes this. We looked at this earlier this year. Uh, Hebrews ten nineteen. Uh, reflecting on all that Jesus did. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, and then since we have a great high priest, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. We have confidence to be able to approach God. Jesus has opened the way for us to have access to him anytime. <clears throat> Dave Durecki was uh, a pitcher for the San Diego Padres and, and for the San Francisco Giants back in the, in the 80s. And, and uh, he was a tremendous pitcher for, for the Padres, um, was part of what they called the God Squad on the team. He and three other guys were, were followers of Lord Jesus, and they, they lived for him, and they, they talked about him. And so he and uh, Scott Gerelts and, and a couple other guys, that's what was kind of their nickname. But he got traded to the Giants, and and uh, was having great seasons, was a tremendous pitcher. And when um, he got cancer and was out of the game, it was in his arm, he was operated on and treated and, and uh, was back to pitching again. Uh, doctors were wanting him to wait a year, but uh, this happened in 1988, and um, he started working his way back uh, and got back to the major leagues, um, was pitching at a tremendous level again, and and uh, on one pitch, felt a little twinge in his arm. And, uh, and then just moments after that, on, uh, he, he made a pitch, and his, his arm broke uh, just clean through. And uh, as it turned out, they found a mass. And uh, eventually taking his entire arm off, um, amputating it because it couldn't be saved. And uh, these are his reflections. Ever since that backyard game of catch with my dad, baseball had become my life. It's what I watched on TV when I was indoors. It's what I played when I went outdoors. My, laugh, my life was wrapped up in baseball, and my life as a ball player was wrapped up in my arm. It wasn't long before that arm gained the attention of the neighborhood. When they chose up the sides for Sandlot Ball, I was the one they all wanted on their team. They wanted me for one reason, my arm. It wasn't long before that arm caught the attention of the entire school when, as a teenager, I pitched my first no-hitter. My name started showing up on the sports page. Before long, it made the headlines, all because of my arm. That arm attracted the attention of Major League Scouts, and the part of me of, that was my boyhood became my livelihood. My ability to provide for my family was not based on how good of a personality I had, how smart I was, or how hard I worked. It was based solely on what my arm could do on game day. The more strikes that arm could throw, the more I was worth. The more games that arm won, the more people wanted me on their team. When people talked with me, it was the center of conversation. How's the arm today, Dave? Is your arm ready for tonight? Better get some ice on that arm. Don't want it to swell. My arm was to me what hands are to a concert pianist what legs are to a ballerina, what feet are to a marathon runner. 
It's what people cheered me for, what they paid their hard-earned money to see. It's what made me valuable, what gave me worth, at least in the eyes of the world. Then suddenly my arm was gone. How much of me went with it? How much of what people thought of me went with it? I felt apprehensive. I wondered how my son would react when he saw me. Would he be afraid? Would he feel sorry for me? Would he keep his distance? And what about my daughter? Would she be embarrassed when we went out to eat? Would she feel, how would she feel when people stared? How would my wife feel? Would she think about a, what would she think about a man who couldn't tie his own shoes? Would she still find me attractive? Or would she be repulsed to see me in my nakedness with my carved up body? When I came home from the hospital, I realized that all Jonathan wanted was to wrestle with me and play football on the lawn. All Tiffany wanted was to hug me and all Jan wanted was to have her husband back. They didn't care whether I had an arm or not. As important as, important as it had been to my boyhood, as important as it has been to my livelihood, my arm meant nothing to the people in my life who mattered the most. It was enough that I was alive and that I was home. What defines us as people and, and as followers of God? Because again, there's all kinds of competing things for our attention, for the, what we place our trust in and our reliance upon. And David, the psalmist, says there's, there's delusions out there. There's all kinds of false things that you might be relying on. There's one thing you can count on the God of this universe knowing him, walking with him, seeing him, putting your trust and confidence in him. That's his call for all of us. And the challenge for all of us, none of us in here, as far as I know, have an arm like Dave Dervecki had, but we have things we're confident of. Maybe it's our business acumen. Maybe it's other things that we can do. Maybe it's our intelligence or or other things that we can do. What are you placing your trust in? Because God says, put it in me. And I can use you and work in your life in ways that you can't imagine. Because I am God, and you are my people. And those who place their trust in you, O Yahweh, will have your safety and security your shield of protection. Doesn't mean we're not going to have hard things. I can't imagine the difficulty of losing that arm for Dave Dravecki. But does his life go on? Does his faith continue to sing out? It can and it does. And with all our losses in our lives, things that we think we couldn't live without, God says, I'll still be enough and all that. Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, this morning we come before you and and asking for, oh, uh, good insights into who we are and what we're depending on. That that we might turn our focus upon you and and recognize the things that we rely on that are delusions, that that are false things and hopes but to, to lay squarely with you 
what life is about, what truly matters. Lord, help us to figure this out. Help us in the, in the struggles that we have to, to know that we can come to you in them. And that as you work in our circumstances and situations, we, we know you're here with us through them. Not making things that are bad go away, but helping us to endure and work through them and to find our way with your help and through it all to be able to have confidence in the work you do in us. Thank you for the ways you've opened us for us through Jesus that we can know you. We can come to you, our great and holy God. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. God bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.